You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello, Riverdale gang. Hi, gang. Welcome back to uh, the Mulligan episode of Season 5, Episode 4. Uh, we had a bit of an error with our tech last time, and by a bit of an error, I mean my audio just decided to stop recording at 41 minutes, and there was a fan going in the background. It really was not a good time, so it's, we're going to watch this episode together again with you. We're pretty excited. It's been a few years since we've had a Mulligan episode. Um, it's true. So we're, we're re-recording today on the unceded territories of the Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam Nations. Uh, we are your hosts, Ryan and Chloe, in case you're new. Um, I usually, usually we say, like, if you're new, why? Why are you starting here? But, um, <laughs> this is actually an okay, I mean, this, this wouldn't be a great episode to start on, but, like, if you were gonna try to come in late just for the, the fifth season, um, gong show victory round adventures of of wildness this would be where you jump in wouldn't it it's true that's actually a really good point you're getting almost a a clean slate of these characters for sure yeah i mean wild caricature versions of them like i would argue they were as close to their comic book selves as we've ever seen them in uh at the end of last episode um but uh yeah, there's some neat, fresh offers. More than I was expecting. Yeah, the big thing for me that I'm excited to talk about as we're watching this episode is um, uh, the different eras that are at play that I feel like each character is kind of meant to embody, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a fun thing for, for Riverdale to be playing with. Yeah. Um, since we've already seen this episode a couple of times, Ryan, do you want to just jump in? Um, yes, I think so. Well... Let's uh, thinking of what our preamble was last time. Were there any um, what themes jumped out at us, or which which stories particularly worked or didn't for us? I, I remember us. Um, I remember we chatted a little mm. bit about that. Um, I remember you um, mentioned something about Desperate Housewives. You drew a parallel <laughs> oh, with yes. the show in Desperate Housewives. Do you remember that? Uh, yeah, seminal example of um, time skips in in recent TV history. Um, Desperate Housewives was one of the first shows that I watched regularly, um, which had this, this scripted between season time jump, um, as this one was written and scripted. And, um, there are, there are storytelling technique parallels that I'm seeing that are very neat. Um, things I remember that were distinct. Ryan and I have been having some trouble with our audio and I have a feeling he's frozen. Uh Uh-oh. Am I unfrozen? Yeah, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on in this episode, for sure. Mm. Um, Some elements of Americana that I really like, uh, especially in that opening sequence. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so that that those yeah, that's something I'm really excited to jump into and to talk about uh, if you're if you're game to game to jump into the episode, Ryan. Yeah, gang, let's uh, watch along 3.0. Uh, Riverdale episode season, uh, what, where are we at? Season five, episode, <laughs> season five, four, episode four, and yes. chapter 80. Wow, chapter 80. 
Ooh, that's deep in. Okay, gang, uh, queuing up your Netflix DVR, otherwise acquired recording at this point, or whatnot, <laughs> and uh, syncing the press play, go with the Netflix Badoom Badoom Ba. Bang, 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 bang. Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And there is no previously on Riverdale because everything is previously on Riverdale. Yeah. So I got really excited about this sequence in the Forever Lost podcast episode. And I'm excited about it now, honestly. Um, mm. I think this combination of uh, the Americana of the football field and un unfortunately, maybe in some ways, the Americana of war, putting them together here um, in our favorite Dark Sugar Trash show. I just thought it was a really cool choice. Um, I I had more investment in Archie in this sequence than I have had in in a while. I would say it's um, um, it's it's more intense and mature and serious in a non caricature way than we mm -hmm. than we generally get to see. Um, it, it it uses these heavy motifs quite. Um, wholeheartedly quite straight playing it quite straight um which is yeah which is also a new artistic tone in a lot of ways yeah absolutely and i do think also that um i i sort of got the sense here that um there's two types of haunting happening for archie mm -hmm. there's the the haunting of when times were were joyful mm-hmm with people cheering him on with Cheryl, but these things are also not just joyful um, in the sense that Riverdale was a place of very high emotions, a place of very high melodrama, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So there's like the haunting of that. And then there's also like the war haunting him. I don't know. I just, this, this combo really, really worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, um, and I, I get a lot of a gender, uh, a, a very specific, generational and coming of age paradigm like i think of reading a separate piece uh back in school um mm. these dynamics of um teens who grow up ahead of war and then who experience war and sometimes survive war um there's a a, a great number of recurrent um stories of that telling that that I feel Archie's arc here is harkening back to in, in ways that I'm excited about, um, in ways that I haven't mm. bits of bits of narrative and Americana that I haven't thought about for a long time um, mm. are stirred by this. That's really interesting. Yeah. And there is definitely a, a very distinct uh, era choice, I would say, mm -hmm. just sort of echoing what you were saying about parts of Americana that we maybe haven't thought about in a while. Um, this uniform is very World War II, mm -hmm. um, which a lot of people consider to be America's last just war, last good war. Um, I have mixed feelings about putting just and good in front of war, but I mean, war is also a fact of, a fact of human existence, so mm -hmm. um, it's complex. But um, I think the choice here um, to ground Archie very much in a time when we think of war being good mm. is um, is a is a very purposeful choice, mm. especially in contrast with when he gets back to Riverdale. There's this very '70s vibe to Riverdale. This very like Reagan's yes. about to get elected quality. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh yes, 
And this is, um, I'm, uh, I'm also intrigued. Quick sidebar: uh, if we are, if we see this character again, um, and if he's building up to something, um, and some role and connection in Archie's life. Um, but yes, the eras. Um, I got a very um, coming back from Korea to a world that is not appreciating your sacrifice kind of mm, a vibe in, in Archie's story. This very 1950s, 1960s sort of transitional uh, vibe. In fact, more than more than decades, I find myself anchoring to transitions between decades. Mm, that's interesting. I bet you anything that is true and on purpose. <laughs> also, there are enough transitions between decades. We get one more. We we struggled in version 1.0 of this episode with like, well, who's is, is someone who's 80s, who's 90s, who's like, it doesn't add up. And also there's an extra person when we include Tony. Are we talking about the like now? Which we aren't. That's not how we do. Um, but if mm. we talk about transitions and times of change between generations and eras um maybe maybe that'll give us some some more framework to play this time through that's really interesting i love that you've hit on that because i i think that's on purpose this this sort of un unstable feeling of of the eras that are being transitioned between mm. given that this is a transition between two like very distinct eras in in this show mm -hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me um it's something that makes a lot um, of sense to me. Anchoring back to the Desperate Housewives for just a moment, it's something much richer than I remember from that. Like that time, that timescape was an extremely effective narrative tool for shuffling romantic relationships, personal relationships, life circumstances, um, shuffling children's ages and conflicts. Um, but the the time jump here achieves all of that. And more because I think of the, the genre tools already in play, uh, intrinsically built into this show, or perhaps mm. alongside with those tools. And now we, now we stop and appreciate for just a moment. Yes, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> everything about this, ev just every single thing. Hi, Tony. Hi, Tony. Yeah, this so this is a very 70s vibe to me, this like slow guitar, mm -hmm. the way they have Fang's haircut, the way they, uh, the glass, the sunglasses they've chosen to put on the two guys playing guitar. Right. Um, but like, early I actually 70s, don't know this right? song. I don't know if you do, Ryan. Not offhand. Not offhand. Yeah. I am, I am, I'm too taken by the Riverdale cover as we do. And Kevin, yeah. support a boyfriend. <laughs> Yay! Every um, every musician needs a supportive boyfriend who has a day job. <laughs> um, I say as yeah. I just want to shout really out quickly, like letting a pregnant job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, um, I did just want to shout out real quick, uh, letting Tony be like a sexy pregnant woman. I was super into that. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, I thought that was a, it's a really nice fantastic um to see a clear introduced presence but um in the lighting of this shot in the lighting of these scenes um and in 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 every scene through this episode Tony is is a 
present character and her pregnancy is never framed or um, focused on or given more than a natural, casual um, attention. Like yeah, it's, it's she a definitely. Trait. It's not exactly. A yeah, yeah. That's such a good way of putting it. Um, she does get to do a lot in this episode that has very little to do with her pregnancy. And pregnant people do ride motorbikes and show people around their old hometown and dance and continue to work. You know, run a gang. Yeah, <laughs> and work. actually, come to think of it, I know, like, I know plenty of dancers, like people who perform professionally and regularly at industry level uh, like it's a it's a regular conversation of like yeah what what point at what point can i maybe stop dancing professionally at what point do i need to change and change my patterns and it varies so much by every form but it's a technical logistical conversation yeah that's it's, a really good it's point it's part um, of the professional process which is yeah yeah interesting. That is interesting. That's actually not something I know too much about. Um, mm-hmm. So I appreciate you bringing that into the room. Um, I was just thinking uh, something we talked about last last time to do with Tony and Archie that we're actually going to get the opportunity to talk about again because there's another scene coming up. But I mm-hmm. do want to point out like how heavily Silence of Lambs reference this is. <laughs> I think anyone watching this like knows, knows that reference even if they've never seen the film, which I think you were saying last time you haven't seen. Um, oh, what? Years Ryan. and years ago. Years um, and years. When I was a child. Maybe. Oh, okay. Ooh, that's not a movie for kids. Um... <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, young-ish. I was so taken by yeah. the extreme genre that is Betty's arc. Like, I, you know, every everyone else, I guess they're all quite extreme. But Betty, um, Betty's continues, uh, the, the cynical Betty Cooper eye roll vibe in a fascinating genre way that I am, am delighted mm. and pleased with. It's 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 distinct from the other plots in... Perhaps it's something about Betty's personality in the narrative that I'm really enjoying that um, certainly speaks to mm. a, uh, a... a generational disenfranchisement uh, if we're thinking of, like, late 80s, early 90s, um, and also everything Betty experiences, presumably, um, with this vague X-Files-y world where the ponytail is gone Oh, that's forever. interesting. Yeah, the, the no ponytail is like a very distinct choice for her. I think we were talking last time about, um, I think you mentioned that you were like, I wonder what happened with Charles, basically, and I, that hadn't even occurred to me. Oh, yeah. And um, we talked about yes. how this, this man that she's dating kind of reminds us of Charles a little. Um, <laughs> and then this... Certainly the role oh, Charles and took. Then, yeah, that's maybe a better way of putting it. And then I think we were reflecting mm. a little on this moment and how adult it is. We see her taking a shot. Mm. We see her in this very relatable space of being a millennial alone in her apartment with her pet. Um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, looking at, you know, a, a chart of someone's dismemberment 
Uh, we don't see the limbs, but pictures theoretically of the limbs, which of course come up later in uh, her dream sequence with her cat like licking the blood mm. off them. You know, it's very, this is a, a similar to what's happened for Archie. Like this is a very distinct tonal shift. Like we are doing adulthood now. Yes, yes. And it, um, um, it is, it is so, so di- very distinct in tone from, um, from teenagers playing at being adults. Which is which is mm-hmm. you know, the, the the caricature vibe that we've been feeling and relishing in and rolling in and reveling in that even when the stakes were life and death, it, uh, Archie was still in a underground juvie fight ring betting club, b- right. set up by his g- girl his girlfriend's mob dad. Like there was still. There is a there is a type of hyperbole that um, that can move into some very new territory and new stakes with mid twenty year olds and the stories that that are relevant to life in your mid twenties, life in these very different career paths and positions that we find each of our characters in. Yeah, I feel like there's definitely something to be said for the fact that the emotional stakes of Riverdale are always very high in a way that isn't always correlated exactly to the realism of what's going on on screen. Mm-hmm. And even with, um, you know, the heightened emotional stakes of war or um, the post-traumatic stress experience of... Um, being dealt with by a serial killer Mm -hmm. um and having a job that deals with them all the time um like those those feel like those it feels like the high emotional stakes and what's going on on screen are actually matched Mm. to me yeah yeah, yes i agree and in a way that's new in the refresh in the time skip era uh that feels that feels newer and cleaner and stronger to me so far and through this episode um, yeah, absolutely. I'm feeling the same way. I think it's a I think it's a cool choice for this show. Mm-hmm. Feel feel good about it. It's nice to see um Lily Reinhardt with all of this um very pop referential, very like well-established cultural content to chew on without mm-hmm. the guise of um young detective at the working at the blue and gold on the school newspaper, like the Nancy Drew Hardy boys scaling that changes the lens and perspective inherently. Um, I like what Lily Reinhardt is doing. Like it feels like she can be more natural. There, there's a there's a layer less um, character mask. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah. I was just thinking. Uh, the cat, yeah. Betty used to have a cat that her dad made her kill. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Caramel. And I, it's interesting to me, we're being presented with a Betty who is like not doing well. And to me, she's actually doing very well because she was brave enough to get another cat. Mm, Hope that cat doesn't end up dead. That's an important detail. Good catch. So we hate Chad, um, right? I beg your pardon? We hate Chad. Almost as much as Veronica I, does. I I'm mo- 
mostly just confused by Chad. I felt that they cast a very youthful looking actor. He doesn't really look like he's in his mid-twenties to me. He looks like he's someone who's cast to look like a teenager. Mm. Um, and that that kind of th- that kind of threw me a little. It's not that he's not a good looking man. It just he's very youthful looking and kind of threw me. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm I'm I think of the four storylines. This is the one I'm the least. The four sort of main character storylines. This is the one I'm the least invested in. Mostly mm-hmm. because it surprises me. I really didn't expect Veronica to be married. I really didn't expect her to be very distant from her mom. This just really, this really just wasn't what I was expecting. Um, on the third watch, obviously, I'm prepared for it, and I'm I'm more <laughs> interested in it because I know this is what I'm getting. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. How do you feel about Chad, Ryan? Um, Chad is a placeholder uh, that reflects Veronica being in a little bit of a low point in a roller coaster ride to me. Like the the. Mm. Um, the the beats and metaphors of Veronica's story in this episode um, echo Hermione's position at the beginning of season one. In and I think we see Veronica recognize and realize that in some important ways. Um, I think Chad is a starting point, and um, you know whatever that relationship was, it ain't anymore. Uh, <laughs> is how I'm feeling about Veronica. But I also believe. Um, Veronica in this place of rapid change and conflict. It's their Mm one-year anniversary. So it's been seven years. It's their one-year anniversary. Um, They have history. There was a helicopter crash. Uh, She worked in Wall Street. She was the she-wolf of Wall Street. She was famous. Mm -hmm. Then she became not famous. And up in there, there was probably an undergraduate degree, whether or not she ever finished it. Um, but she seemed mm-hmm. like the kind of you know business student who would have uh, logs in the fire by her second year, um, especially with the the business with Hermosa. Um, Veronica's mm-hmm. life has been a roller coaster in the the two-ish years she's been in Riverdale, um, whereas you know Archie has been on. Archie has been on a steady downward plummet in a lot of ways mm, since mm-hmm. season one. Um, Veronica goes, Veronica takes over the school socially. Veronica takes over the pussycat socially. Veronica um, crashes. Starts a business. <laughs> several businesses. Yeah. Ends up running pops. Starts a speakeasy. Starts a rum fi- uh, distillery. Like, in over two years. What what gets me about this story and how unexpected it is, is, is I, I think, of course, where, where else would Veronica be? Somewhere wild and bounced around. And mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. seeing Hermione in this, like, comfortable celebrity L.A. life uh, is great. Um, you know, her last moment and scene was... Uh, a real power move, dropping Hiram, uh, choosing a fresh new life for herself. And mm-hmm. seven years in, she's comfortable and complacent. And we, they're, like you, you said, things are, they aren't close. Yeah. Uh, they aren't close enough that Hermione knows exactly what's going on in many ways. But um, they're comfortable. They're not in a state of heightened 
anxiety and terror as they have been the entire time we've known them. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think the thing that throws me about this sequence is because, as you said, Hermione got out of the the shadow of Hiram Lodge. It's just su- sort of surprising to me that this conversation isn't more like, well, sweetie, I told you when you married him, like, this is the kind of man who'd expect blah, 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 like you knew what you were getting yourself into. You know, I expected mm. a bit more of... Hermione being able to read the situation a little bit more clearly. Yeah. That she doesn't, I am attributing to the distance, but that Mm, is that is more of a viewer choice and my guesswork for going forward than it is. Yeah. Like that's that's my that's my guess. Yeah. I so we thought that this um this era was like the aughts, like before the crash, basically, in two thousand eight. I mean, even um, even then, I would put this at maybe millennial. Do would is this turn of the millennium or or first decade? Like, um, I I was thinking more like the these references to Wolf of Wall Street make me feel a bit first decade about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you, like oh eight ish, ten ish yeah. years back, just slightly out oh. of style. Yeah, exactly. And I do, I, I was just thinking now, like, is, is this meant to be completely contemporary? I mean, all, obviously all the storylines are contemporary. They're supposed to be happening now. But Riverdale kind of takes place in this, like, mythical mm-hmm. side slip in time, I want to say. Yeah. And um, it, it is true that the millennials I know who are doing fairly okay are often millennials with a lot of inherited wealth, which Veronica does have. Mm-hmm. So it's possible this is this story is a little more contemporary than I'm giving it credit for. Uh, yeah, like the decision, yeah. the attribution of who gets which genre arc, and and you know we're 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 really mapping things to eras, but these are all um, patterns of ups and downs with historical precedent where these genres come from, and they are all useful mm-hmm. in contemporary commentary. Um, I th- I think a great value of genres and tropes is is the language and the emotional reference point that it gives us for um, experiences and zeitgeist's past that we reflect on and uh, a, a way of um, invoking that speaking to con- to the contemporary each of each of these uh, each of the characters each of our five mains is um is on a very different journey um directionality stakes wise where their life is going like archie of oh, the glam the, we need to, i need to stop and comment on the glam Jay egg and the yes. <laughs> like the explicit oh no thank you of that life yeah this Truly, is, this uh, like bit. someone gave me a Glamourge yeah. egg, I probably wouldn't keep it. I'd probably sell it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it's just such a different world. Absolutely, Alphabet City, New York. Um, also, Veronica, that is a that is a a faux pas. You are going to have a hard time getting out of. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, here we are in Alphabet City. So I think I pointed out last time we watched this that no like emerging writer has been able to afford an apartment in Alphabet City since at least the 80s. Yeah, like the weird combination of like the stories in like the musical Rent 
mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Allen Ginsberg in this is very, very strange to me. Like Alphabet City, my dad grew up at Avenue C on the other side of first avenue and when he would walk to school on his own he and um, his brother my uncle my grandmother would tell them like don't go below first avenue you're not allowed to go below first avenue you have to stay on this side of the street blah 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 that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so alphabet but alphabet city hasn't been like grungy like that in a long time it's very very gentrified now Mm -hmm. yeah the, the time where jughead could afford that much space in alphabet city is yeah. is referential and yeah last unless th- he really unless he really made a buck on this first novel it's possible you know um last time you were commenting uh, about being a mid-20s writer having this walk in central park with your agents oh my god would have died for for this moment <laughs> like this is this is this is making it really if you're gonna just live off writing and you're not gonna become like jk rowling this is making it off writing is walking through central park talking to your agent Uh, (sighs) also i love this park that they got to stand in for central park it really does it feels pretty new yorky i can tell it's not but it feels hmm. it feels pretty close which i think is neat i feel like it's cool when vancouver can stand in for for big cities i think that's a fun fun feature of vancouver Mm-hmm. The versatility. They got a guy with Let's a good New York accent, though, for this here. agent that I can't hear you. Like, it's very, very New York-y. Sorry I interrupted you there, Ryan. So it I so it clearly doesn't pay that well because we're meeting Jughead in crisis. <laughs> yes, that's true. <sighs> um. So while Jughead breaks up, um, the directions that everyone's going are very different. There, everyone's in a moment mm. of change and a moment of crisis, mm-hmm. but um, everyone is in a very, in mm-hmm. very different one. Um, Archie is the most distinct to me in that he is, he feels very much like he's leaving a complete and all-encompassing phase. Um, you know, he he spent seven years in the military. Uh, he's now on recruitment. Like it's possible he could return. He might still be Sergeant Andrews. But everything in this episode mm. reads to the transition to civilian life, to me, and settling in mm, in a community. That's interesting. Um, Veronica, inversely, is has had no apparent consistency in in that in the in the wild ups and downs that are, would have been required to get her where she is. Um, and then we have Betty and Jughead, who are both. Um, both seem to be moving forward in their chosen careers, um, but are both in places of mm-hmm. crisis and conflict of some sort, emotional or financial or, or productive or interpersonal. It's a good Yeah, that's a really... Point. Oh, sorry. I, I just caught that, the love story between mm-hmm. the Viper leader and the homecoming queen. <laughs> um, I didn't catch that last time. Oh, me neither. So that's about... That's about Betty and Jughead. Oh, I'm disappointed in Jughead's character. But also that kind of fits. I feel like a lot of a lot of writers of this ilk relive moments in their youth a lot. Um, Wait, no, the homecoming. I also think I noted last time we the, the 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 serpent. That's that's Tony and Cheryl. Oh, maybe it is. Well, I mean, I Much know Betty was never the homecoming queen, but she had like that. She had that like quality, you know. Oh, she's, she's that is more interesting. Yeah, right. That's true. 
what was what was the real romance of the first five seasons? It was Choni. It's true. Um, Tony's really... Tony's moments of tra- moment of transition here. Um, I'm intrigued to see how this plays out because Tony is, um, presented as rooted and present and a leader in Riverdale in our core setting in the place of gathering. Um. This sort of intrinsically ties Tony to what happens. Uh, And while we get some amazing offers with Cheryl's plot um, that I think are very much the supporting and enriched uh, character beats of Tony's story that are being offered and mapped out for us, um, Tony's point of change seems Mm, to be uh, this return of resources, this return of people this uh, change and transition um, that will stir up what she has achieved. Like, she is at a point Would you mind power. reading my novel? Hmm. hmm. That's funny. So, what are your thoughts on kind of skeezy Jughead getting um, played? I definitely can't hear Ryan at all right now, which is one of the drawbacks of doing an the indie podcast. Version. But this is fun. This moment jones open up tech collectors i wonder what ryan's saying at his end hello hello i hear you i stopped talking for a moment uh but let's just keep rolling and worry about that later I think we are going to keep rolling because I did try and throw in a bit of flavor text so that there wasn't just dead air. Fantastic. Thanks for bearing with us, Riverdale gang. <laughs> this is what life is like making an indie podcast at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. I think Ryan and I are just going to have to bubble after I move out of the living situation that I'm in because this oh, yeah. this so, isn't fair so, to you, Riverdale gang. So Chloe's moving in across the street from me. I'm yeah. excited. <laughs> And that's uh, way more important than whatever is going on in Riverdale at this moment. Oh, well, it's just Jughead being low-key extorted, right? And, and yeah. Like, in a way that is that is almost comeuppancy? Mm-hmm. I think we both, I think last time we watched this, we both said, isn't it fun that this is skeezy, but not in, like, not because of an issue of consent. Like, this is skeezy because yeah. these two people are skeezy. Yeah, they're 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 using each other in very consensual but like selfish ways. Yeah. <laughs> so, hearkening back to what you were just saying about Tony and something I kind of wanted to put a pin in earlier mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm. episode. Um yes. something I really liked about this sequence was um there's two there's like a couple of different types of Riverdale at the table. We've got like clean cut Casey Cott, clean cut KJ Ab, I just forgot their character names, uh, yeah. Kevin and Archie. And yeah. then we've got these people who were supposed to be from like the wrong side of the tracks, you know, Fangs and Sweet Pea and Tony. Yeah. And it's, um, they're like, the, all of that seems to have faded away completely. You know, we've got these boyfriends who are kissing and they're very happy, mm-hmm. both have jobs, both graduated from university. Like, there's, there isn't a sense to me that this has been completely middle classified, mm-hmm. but there is sort of a coming together here um, that I, that I like. I think that's a fun choice because I never really yes. was very interested in the South Side, North Side dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fun to just have all these characters on the same side about wanting to preserve their town. 
I I agree hugely, and I love having um I love having Tony working at Riverdale High. Like, it's it's um there's so many layers to to Tony's future that are are neat and interesting into um mm-hmm. her her powerful connection and role in her community. So Cheryl Cheryl Havisham, as you said last time. Yep, I lo- I I kind of love it. Um, Madeline Petch and Cheryl that she creates is so good at extreme comedia tier dramatic characters. She she plays the scream queen caricatures so boldly. Why is mm-hmm. Nana grieving again? Nana's always grieving. I, I love Nana. I feel like we're going to get an explanation for that. That some, something, clearly something has happened to Cheryl that mm. we are not getting an explanation for yet. Yes. Either the fortune's been lost or someone else has died or mm-hmm. Nana's gotten body swapped with her evil twin and this is evil <laughs> Nana. You know, something. <laughs> Something's up. Um, I, yeah. I do like a great deal that um Cheryl's Cheryl's path is bumpy. Um we left Cheryl in a place of of spectacular intentions, of spectacular growth. Um and 7 years in um whatever else is going on crazy Riverdale plot-wise, um the sort of community work Cheryl was pushing herself into is exhausting and hard, and very, very, Mm. very slow. Um, Seven Mm. years in, she might not be seeing any noticeable progress, and might just be burning out. That's, um, that's a note that I would be pleased to see explored uh, in a character with the, um, both the privilege and the perspective of Cheryl Blossom. That's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I think there's some opportunities here with Cheryl's character that are really, really fun, especially since she's not taking up quite as much space as she used to. Like, I like the balance of Tony being on her journey, Cheryl being on her journey. And we're yes. getting a lot of Tony screen time. And I did feel like Cheryl's, Cheryl's character started to take up quite a bit of space in their relationship. And I was always really mm-hmm. excited about mm-hmm. Tony as a character. And um, I'm glad that there's a bit more of a balance there now. Yeah. That seems cool to me. Or Ver- what looks to me like well, it will be more balanced. I agree. And I'm reminded of, of Cheryl's very effective role in season one, in which she um, mm. she was she was a star of the exposition. She was a star of the setting. She was part of the living mm. world of Riverdale in a really um, dramatic way. And she drove the plot along in a sequence of, of, of bold character moments. Um, and in what I'm seeing in this setup and what I'm hoping for is, um, is that she is going to play that role in Tony's story Mm. this season. Um, you know, we, we've seen a great deal of Tony's impact on Cheryl and I'm, I'm looking and looking forward to um, the other side of that relationship. Uh, not seeing them as a couple, but really seeing Tony, Tony's lens on things. Um, as we've been promised mm. this season. Yes. 
They're which I hope uh, I hope continues to deliver. Also, note that Cheryl has a glove on her hand the way her mom used to. Yeah. I didn't remember to look for that in the first scene where we saw her, and I wonder if we'll see it again. <laughs> I uh, love that Tony's portrait is up on the wall. That's very fun. Nice little nod to centering her Riverdale. Well done. Gorgeous portrait. Love it. Snakes. Oh, yes, snakes. Um, I believe the snake dance, like the python snake dance that Tony mm. in- is introduced with, um, refers to what I think was planned for Betty's awkward striptease that flopped mm. a while ago. Um, mm-hmm. I remember crew gossip saying that at what it w- as written, she was supposed to dance with the mascot snake, but ah. serial... Uh, serial TV telling. Um, if whether that's true or not, I love the follow-up moment being like, "Here's two snakes around Queen Tony." Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fun. I agree. Really fun moment. Um, so another thing that I find really interesting about this episode is that we spend a lot of time with each character, and then at the end, it's kind of like, "Okay," and then here's the plot, and mm. I like that. That really, really works for me. Right. Um, we sort of establish on their yeah. personal character journeys, the char- the note, um, the emotional note that each of these genres delivers tells mm-hmm. us a lot about about where each of these characters is coming from emotionally um, before they yeah. before they even step into the what I assume will be the core story in Riverdale. Yeah, um, I think this is it. I think this is at least the beginning of the season. The plot arc we're getting is how can we save Riverdale? I'm a little surprised Hiram is here as a bad guy. Mm. That surprises me. I was expecting a bit more. I think I said this sort of wishfully, mm-hmm. wishfully speaking, wistful thinking was that we'd get a lot more of uh, like that season of Buffy where their enemies are themselves. <laughs> yes. I thought we were going to get a little of that in this season. But um, it seems like Hiram is still here, still causing trouble. Um, I'm going to ignore him until they make it too obvious for me to ignore. I'm just going to hope that Hiram isn't a big bad because been there, done that. And I don't know. I wanted a different story from Hiram. I'm, I'm sick of him in that role. And I, yeah, I I still have hope that, um, I still have hope. Yeah. But I am hurt by the fact that he didn't take up too, too much space in, Ah, there's some Vancouver rain in the background. Um, didn't take up too much space in uh, in this particular episode. Um, yeah. Um, Such a good and this jacket. bus stop is a great piece of set deck. I'm into it. Yeah. It must yeah. have been so fun to break that set down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's just gonna lob it to the ground, probably. I v- I very rarely get to in a non-panic way, but every once in a while, I'm like free for someone else's strike and like film breakdown, let alone set deck that includes breakdown. It is just jo- crowbars and joy, like mindless physical exertion. It's it's a neat neat little detail that I've rarely heard talked about. Yeah, that's fun. Hmm. I'm di- sorry. I'm distracted a little by what Sodale means and what's going to happen there, and mm-hmm. this sort of displacement of Riverdale. I actually don't know that much about how this unfolds in reality. Like when towns run hmm. out of industry and people move away, yeah. I, I don't. 
like I, I know about ghost towns. I know about the the end of that story, but mm-hmm. I don't know much about this transition period when it could really go either way. Right. You know, um, I'm I'm seeing in Sodale something of a suburban suburbanization potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, like. Whole Foods comes to mind as an emblematic mm. um, class marker in North American settings um, and smaller city towns and smaller cities. Um, but at the same time, mm. I'm I'm interested to see if we get any any exploration of um, the 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 potentials. That are not just regressive and conservative in this town. Like, what healthy rural community growth could look like in the contemporary? That's not something I think I have seen in art and media. Hmm. As late. That's interesting. I, I, I'm sure it's out there, but I haven't seen it really either. Hmm. Um that feels so, like something that an American filmmaker would have paid atten- attention to at some point in the course of American film history. <laughs> but I just, I don't, I also can't think of a, a, a media example of what you're talking about, for sure. Um, sidebar pointed pointed on the nose moment of like, yeah, yeah, yes. we're, we're making Tony lead this time. For realsies. Yeah. Third time's the charm. Good faith until you prove me otherwise, Riverdale. Yeah, a little on the nose, but appreciated, I guess. Um, so this character, Lynette, nicknamed Squeaky, mm-hmm. uh, she is named after um, a woman from the Manson family who tried to shoot President Ford mm-hmm. um, uh, in order to like bring attention to Charles Manson's cause or something. Her reasons for choosing this assassination attempt are a little murky to me and i'm i'm confused about what's going on here mm-hmm. this is a very like late 60s reference right um she's still alive lynette from um um i read a, a write-up about her a little while ago so this this woman who we it seems it seems to me from what riverdale is suggesting here is about to be murdered mm-hmm. um is uh it's a different storyline and I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that reference. I'm not sure what's what's happening there. I don't know if right. you have any thoughts on it. I'm also not fond of dramatizations and references of um Manson cult stories and yeah. uh, Sharon Tate murder stories. Um it's it's I I know it, there's been some attempts in recent years the Tarantino version, but it's mm-hmm. uh it's not a story I really like engaging with. Um, I'm hoping yeah. we are setting an era more than setting a launching point. Um, you know, even if I think of, of um, Brett Weston Wallace, it mm. was it was a, a reference, but it wasn't a directional reference. Yeah, that's a that's a good uh, that's a good way of putting it. Um, I'm I'm hopeful for that as well. I think that would be a good place for that reference to fit, rather than. To get like a full Manson family reference, I don't, I don't know if that really interests me either. Mm-hmm. Managing cults in media is very, very hard um, to do well, in my opinion. Also, they already did it in a hyperbole way, if you, like one and a half times. 
Oh yeah. We've been th- That's true. this this is like a third cult plot line. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me nervous. But otherwise, I'm really here for a lot of the choices. I'm really, really here for a lot of the choices. Looking forward to next week for sure. Or almost this week for sure. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, likewise. I'm I'm pleased we... I noticed Sweet Pea a bit more this time through. I noticed Fangs a bit mm-hmm. more this time through. I noticed our supporting mm-hmm. cast and and the sort of rich rich around lives they've, they've developed this time through. And I'm excited for it. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I missed that Kevin's the drama teacher last time through, and that's, that's a a, a sweet little anchoring place for our boy. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's good. I'm surprised he stayed in Riverdale, but I like it. I've ended up, like, liking the choices for that character. Yeah, it's very, um, it's very Schitt's Creek. Mm, interesting. (laughs) I, um, have not seen all of Schitt's Creek, so I have not... I do not know that reference, but I can make some guesses, and I'm interested. <laughs> Get back to me when you're done, friend. Okay, I will. <laughs> um, okay, pal. Well, given that's that's like approximately the forty millionth time that we've watched that episode, shall we call it here? Um, I do want to pull up one one other reference that popped to mind that uh, yeah. I didn't get get to in the flow of the show. Um, are you watching Wandavision? Okay, I watched half the first episode with my roommate, uh-huh. um, but my other roommate isn't super keen on it, so we haven't gotten back to it. Okay, 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 okay. So but I'm like, I'm, I'm I, that's a show I'd like to get back to. Yeah, let that, let's let's chat on that because I am loving it, and I've watched each episode multiple times. And there is oh. there's loving it in the Marvel universe way, which you know, take or leave. It's it's a neat cultural thing that I'm glad to know about. But I'm mm. loving it in a TV history way. Speaking of oh. speaking today of genres and areas of TV history and and like points of generational reference, um, WandaVision is doing amazing things in anchoring itself in fifties TV, sixties TV, seventies TV, and jumping around and and showing hmm. eras and homage, and it's I'm enamored with it. And um, after. I, I've watched the latest episode since we last tried to record this, and I'm all the more hyped about what WandaVision is doing with genre. Um, it is different and distinct. Very, very different and distinct than what Riverdale is doing with genre. But I believe both are using genre as effective tools in creative ways to come at um, similarly contemporary themes. In slightly trashy pop culture. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I'm intrigued. Yeah. So, like... I'm big time intrigued. I'll, I'm going to let you all catch up on WandaVision before I spoil <laughs> anything as well. But, um, um, like, when it's when its season is done, and when we're in late Riverdale... Uh, ooh, let's talk, Chloe. <laughs> all right, cool. I'm into it. I'm into it. I will. I will check it out. <laughs> so, coming later, the Riverdale gang, WandaVision sidebar subspecial or something i'm into it we'll probably just jam it into episodes like usual (laughs) okay gang um yes we'll leave you for now um for a few more days uh till thursday ish hopefully uh yeah well we're hoping for thursday (laughs) see you then gang all right take care gang bye